someone was making fun of him and called him Cashews or whatever, like Jamal Cashew. I was saying, isn't isn't Cashew a dope nickname? Cashew. He's cash. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Drunken Jaguar. This is Bentley Brown, joined by Asad Hassan via call. The Drunken Jaguar is an SB Nation and Big Cat Country podcast, and we come to you today with the sad news of the Jaguars' loss to the Philadelphia Eagles in Philadelphia, 29-21 this past Sunday. It was in a tropical... Depression? Is that what it's called, I said? Uh, tropical depression? Is that what you call it? Yeah, I mean, I, I was feeling some tropical depression. I don't know about you. I mean, something was going on in the East Coast, man. Every game, it was raining hard, huh? Yeah, exactly. So the Jaguars, I don't know. I mean, they were, I guess, theoretically, it was a one-score game in the end. They went up early, so the Jags scored 14 points to open up the game, including a pick-six by Andre Sitsko, which was... An absolute delight at the beginning of the game here. This is, of course, the return to Philadelphia for head coach Doug Peterson, who was welcomed by a standing ovation, if I'm not mistaken, before the game started. And and then we we kind of surrendered to like the Jalen Hurts story in Philadelphia, just being really gritty and pulling through to eventually come back and go up and beat us, right? And, of course, this is also marked by several turnovers on our end. Trevor Lawrence fumbling, I think it was it three times. At least two out of three of those appeared to be largely due to the rain, uh, the slippery ball. He, I mean, he fumbled in open space while scrambling. It was overall was a mess. And so a lot of people have said, hey, bad weather game. Tropical depression, toss it out. Others have said, ah, this is uh, proof that we got too excited too early. The Jaguars are thoroughly mediocre, and Trevor Lawrence is a bust. What say you, said? I think that we are overreacting a little bit. It was rainy, and yes, we can we can blame the weather. We can't blame the weather on that many fumbles and that many turnovers. And you know, in any game, if you turn the ball over like that, you're most likely going to lose the game, I would say. But it's an overreaction, man. I, it feels like one of those games where you beat yourselves. You have an early lead, then you turn the ball over. And it just felt like there was some opportunities early in that game where we could almost put them away, right? Um, I'm talking about where Trevor fumbles when he's rolling out and he has a wide open man. I still can't get over the play before that, you know, on fourth down or third down. Travis Etienne looked like he had a first down and they called it like fourth and short, which I was very surprised about. I don't know why we didn't challenge. It looked like a quitter first down. Then I go back to the Trevor Lawrence overthrowing Jamal Agnew on the double move. He looked like he he would have had a walk-in touchdown and that would have made it 21-0. That probably would have changed the whole dynamic of the game, I would say. So overreaction, yes. Woo, my man. So you, around this time, were texting me. I'm going to scroll here in our conversation and find these texts. No, boy. What did I say? I don't even want to (laughs) know. 
All right, so you got you've got one. Trevor has to make that throw. You said he should have uh, known it would take Agnew a little more time in the rain and selling a double move. So that was that overthrow to Agnew, which would which would most likely be a touchdown. Yes, got to make that throw. He's wide open. All right, and then later on, so then we also have on the defensive side, we had the Eagles driving, and you said you know got to make that stop. And when they were able to convert on that, you texted that. We lost. <laughs> and like, I don't even know if the Eagles had scored a touchdown in the game yet. <laughs> That's how it goes, man. Football's it's a game where, you know, a, a few plays will dictate the outcome of the game. And I think that's exactly what happened. I think Hertz rushing, I think it was fourth down, right? The Eagles were uh, fourth and goal. Right. Looks like he was going through his options. Now, that might just be him selling the quarterback draw. But when he scored that touchdown, I did get a sense that the, that was a pretty key moment for the Eagles offense to develop some confidence. I mean, he basically, he willed it to happen in a way. That on a fourth and goal, stopping them would have had huge momentum towards the Jaguars. And then allowing the touchdown was just the exact opposite and, and really gave the Eagles overall a, a chance to to recover and rebound against us i mean we can't forget that we were up 14 nothing against you know what is now the only remaining undefeated team in the nfl you know you got to make it count like when you have those chances early on in the game we have to we have to execute in a way that silences them and instead we let them back in the game I don't know. How do you how did you react to that with with Hertz especially? Yeah, I mean we we had to know that he was going to run the ball a lot and it was the play before that fourth and goal, I believe, which was really important because they had a third and goal and I think they were like at the 15 or something, 16, and it should be extremely hard to get in from there. And they got it to like fourth and goal at the 5 or 6. I have something like that happened. They got they picked up too many yards on third and goal. And I mean, I had the feeling down 14-0, they were going to go for it. They were going to basically call it as two plays and try to get in with two plays. And that's exactly what they did. I mean, we almost got him right before the goal line. I mean, Devin Lloyd stuck him. And I almost thought he fumbled for a second. But that's that's what Jalen Hurts does, man. I, he did not throw the ball particularly well. I know A.J. Brown had an okay game. Goddard did too. But they were, you know, they were running a lot of screens and stuff. And a lot of their pass game was set up by like very good runs by Miles Sanders and we were getting bullied up front I think on both ends but definitely that defensive line was getting pushed backwards by the Eagles offensive line so another noticeable absence in this game is James Robinson do we do we know what happened there I mean I I was starting to think maybe he was hurt because why would they pull him out of the game in a game where you want to run the ball I mean we saw what the Eagles did they ran it down the Jaguars' throat, and the Jaguars looked like they just abandoned the run when they were up. So I would assume he was hurt because, I mean, the previous weeks we've seen that ETN's not been getting a lot of carries, and it's been all James Robinson. It's been like 80-20. So something must have happened there. I'm, I'm waiting to hear a little bit more, but I would assume something's going on there. I mean, we even saw Agnew get a couple carries too, right? And I know he was in because Zay Jones was out, but it was kind of weird seeing him get carries as well. Yeah, and he was sort of getting flexed into different types of play designs. Uh, you know, Sam Monson with uh, PFF was asking in their weekly NFL podcast, you know, why why is James Agnew more Travis Etienne than Travis Etienne? James Agnew? 
Ah, did we just did we just get you on the Brian Sexton, <laughs> James Agnew, J- Jamal Agnew? Oh my God! Oh, f- oh wow! I just Brian Sexton the f- out of that. Sh- <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So <laughs> Sam Monson with with PFF was asking why why is Jamal Agnew more Travis Etienne than Travis Etienne? Yeah, man. I mean, I think that's kind of a valid point here. I think Travis Etienne could be a better runner like getting handoffs and tosses and stuff than Jamal Agnew. But in the screen game and in the pass game, I feel like maybe Jamal Agnew might be more of a productive guy. I mean, in the open field, he's a little bigger. He's just as shifty. I don't know, man. I think Agnew's got to get in that rotation with him, and he's got to be a viable option for a third down running back. And especially when you're in the gun, you got to have Jamal Agnew in there too because we've seen what he can do as a pass catcher as well. And he's a, a pretty pretty damn good route runner for a running back or wide receiver or punt returner special teamist whatever the hell he is right i mean this guy's came out and he's proved himself every time he's gotten a chance we saw it last year we saw his number get called on sunday and he was very productive and played a played a really good game he should have had three touchdowns right with that long ball too mm-hmm. absolutely yeah i mean he was yeah on the verge of three touchdowns for sure <laughs> When I look at this game, I, for me, I see the fact that we were even in it, the fact that we went up early, uh, the fact that we were still occasionally making plays, that both teams were suffering from the weather. I'm not too alarmed by it. Fortunately, it, it kind of, for the rest of the NFL, coded as like, oh, wow, the Jaguars only lost by eight in Philadelphia. Ooh, that's like a one-score game, whatever. Although I'm still frustrated as hell as a Jaguars fan to see, especially the fumbles. Because that ball security is something that no matter the weather, it's it you would think it would be preventable. You would think that, okay, if if you know, we know that the ball's slippery already, that Trevor could at least be scrambling. He may not be scrambling, you know, at half the speed, but at least protecting the ball with two hands or something, you know, to like prevent us from giving up possession so often. So it was it was still frustrating to watch, but do you think this does this game what 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 is the, the lasting impact of this for us? Like does this derail us to an extent or is this kind of like a lesson learned or should the game be completely ignored? Yeah, I think it's more along the lines of being completely ignored and it's going to be one that Trevor should probably forget quickly because you don't want to you don't want to keep this in the back of your mind. It's not going to rain every day, but yeah, it's, you got to be better in those situations, especially when it happened so many times. Like we saw this happen, and but we saw different kinds of fumbles, right? We saw one slip out of his hands. We saw one under center. We saw him basically look the pressure in his eyes and get the ball like stripped away from him. Like it was not even from his blind side. He was literally seeing the pressure. I think he, sometimes he gets a little too comfortable in the pocket. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, I mean, there's guys coming at you, man. You don't have all day in there. This is not not Clemson, buddy. You can't just sit in there and just wait for your receivers to get open. You got to make a quick decision. You either got to get out, throw the ball away, but you can't just hang in there and you can't turn the ball over and hurt your team over and over and over again. And the last possession, I kind of saw it coming. I was like, I have a feeling he's going to he's going to fumble again, to be honest with you, and I had very little trust in him, but I mean, if he doesn't turn the ball over like that, I feel like the Jaguars have a pretty good chance, even though the defense, I feel like, did not play exceptionally well either. I mean, they were good in the beginning, but they, they weren't they weren't anything to write home about in the rest of the game. I thought it was poor tackling. 
you know what the most important thing is? I was telling people at the bar I was at, I feel like the rain really hurt the Jaguars on offense and defense because it neutralized the speed. And I feel like the Jaguars are a team that really, they use their speed to their advantage. On offense, they use their speed. They have speed receivers. They don't have big guys that are going to go up and make catches. And on defense, they're very young and they're very fast. They can move sideline to sideline and make tackles. And I feel like the speed was really neutralized in the rain. And it, it really hurt them. Yeah, no, definitely. You can see the effect uh, across the board there. And, and like you said, yeah, everybody was sort of suffering from the rain. I think Christian Kirk had, was it three drops on the day? So Christian Kirk was dropping balls. No, oh, he was awful. He was awful. Yeah. And I and I hope that like it's this thing where, you know, people, individual players had enough of, of their own regrets due to the rain that they're not sitting there just pointing the finger at Trevor Lawrence, which which is what it appears that half of even even Jaguars fans are are doing here. But this is this is a Trevor Lawrence who if you just extend his current stats right now, he would finish the season with sixty five percent completion rate. Over 4,000 yards passing, 34 touchdowns, and like eight picks. And that's amazing for an averaging a sack and a half per game. I mean, that's that's fantastic for Trevor Lawrence compared to last year. It's a clear sign of improvement. And it's solid stats, to be honest. That's already top 10 NFL QB stats right there, if not even even higher. So what the what the hell do we do with all these naysayers who see Trevor fumble in the rain three times and, and call him a bust? What like what what's the solution there? Are we just are the Jaguar are we bad fans? <laughs> we we gotta calm down. First of all, we should be very, you know, humble fans and we should never we should always pump the brakes, right? Like we've seen some pretty some pretty bad times, man. So I don't think we should overreact when we see this, especially with the young quarterback. This was very ugly for him. There's a great point uh, that Pete and Tony Baselli brought up on their show. There, uh, I think Pete brought it up. He, he said, would you be more concerned if Trevor threw four interceptions rather than these four fumbles? And they all agreed that, yeah, man, like if he threw four interceptions, I think we'd all be like, oh, no, that's that's not good. But, you know, he, he fumbled four times and that just happens, you know, fumbling just happens. I mean, James Robinson fumbled once. That could have been a turnover too, but luckily Christian Kirk just, you know, was there to scoop it up. So, and especially with the rain, you know, it's hard to hold on to the ball. Now his interception, that that was bad. He should have seen that coming. And also it really hurts because they were driving, you know, they had a very nice drive going and they're in the red zone and he throws that interception. That really hurt. And they still will their way back in the football game, which is a, a positive sign. Yeah, that that pick was was pretty brutal. That was that felt like rookie season, rookie mistake kind of interception. There, it looked like the the DB had gone into coverage on another receiver, and then saw that he had safety help, and then came back and was able to sort of cheat it a bit and just just a clear pickoff. And that this is one of those things where, like, you know, I watch I watch games with uh, my my mom. My mom's an avid. Dallas Cowboys fan, all right, since back in the day. Okay, used to have, uh, you know, season tickets and, and whatnot. I think she even, her brother did like a, a, co- a coin toss at like the Pro Bowl one year or something. <laughs> and, and and she's a, a strong supporter of the philosophy that, you know, no no one play is the, d- the decisive factor between winning and losing a football game. Okay, now I got you like, you know, yeah, you score in the last play of the game. Okay, cool, that play won the game, whatever, right? 
but that game wasn't necessarily lost on one play. However, it is tough <laughs> during this Jaguars game against the Eagles. It just it did feel like there were a lot of plays, several turnovers specifically, that man, did they have a pretty big ramification on the game's final outcome. And I, I really I really do wonder what would have happened if we had been able to score in that drive that you mentioned. Because that's we're in the red zone. And we're about we're on the knocking on the door of the end zone there, and Trevor to throw that interception was pretty, pretty brutal. And that the same thing does go for those fumbles. I mean, you know, fumbling in open space uh, with a wet ball. Hey, man, you know we've we've all been there. We've all been there. I mean, I don't know what the solution for that is. Uh, wear gloves or run awkwardly with two hands on the ball or what? But you know, there's really nothing you can do about that. And that's such a rare case that you're going to be playing in rain that heavy. For the strip sacks, ah, now that I don't know. Those were those are pretty tough to watch, and you've already fumbled several times, man. Was I even? I was even off earlier. He fumbled three times. He, he did. Trevor fumble four times this game. I, I believe he did fumble four times, right? No, maybe it was him three times, and then and then Robinson that once. Robinson, I if it feel it feels like he fumbled four times. It feels like he fumbled every every time we had the football. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know if my my brain's like blocking the trauma of a fourth fumble or what. But um, really quickly, James Robinson's fumble was was also scary, and that was like while we were on a essentially a scoring drive there. Christian Kirk just sort of floated over that ball, <laughs> yes. watching it patiently, waiting to determine where it was going to bounce, and fell on it. I thought that was a fantastic play someone even on twitter was like that was like that to that point that was like the play of the game yeah thus far was christian kirk's recovery of that fumble and the concentration he had for that so the right place right time for him at least we got we got good news with one of those fumbles but yeah the other ones man yeah the others are they're they're tough man and strip sack that's the kind of thing that we should be doing on the opposing quarterback shouldn't be done to us yeah absolutely i mean but we haven't talked about our defense and i mean it felt like they just got pushed around after the first few drives i feel like they were pretty good but they couldn't stop the run at all whether it was jalen hurts running whether it was miles sander or just like the quick passing game meaning screens and stuff it felt like they they just could not get a stop in that way because when the ball was thrown down the field i think they did you know pretty pretty decent job darius williams made a pretty good play in the beginning i believe he got a hand on the ball that was picked by cisco but yeah man the tackling was bad we can't get the quarterback down either it feels like we don't really have a pass rush when we when we are rushing with four it feels like we have to blitz to get the quarterback down and i feel like that's a little bit of a concern as well Fatukasi went down and we're already talking about should we go out and try to sign dominican sue and I guess the logic here is that the Eagles rushing exceeded 200 yards on us, which was not Ooh. characteristic of our defense up until this point this year and is a, is a glaring hold no matter how you cut it. Because if you're, if you're bleeding out one end defensively, it's going to affect all the other units on defense. And that was overall just disastrous, especially – with Sanders running all over us, man. Yep. So I don't know. Is that, is that, I mean, but then you could be too reactionary and say, oh, you know, wow, they destroyed us running. Is that maybe the rain's partially to blame there? I don't know. But do we, do we have like a, or is there a fire we need to put out in terms of stopping the rush? I don't think so. To be honest, I, I think they've done 
a pretty decent job. I think this is one of those games that you almost do have to forget about just because of the weather. And I mean, let's not forget they were playing a really good team. A lot of people are saying they might be the best team in the league, the most complete team. People are raving about how well they played on defense on Sunday, which I didn't really see. You know, I mean, the Jaguars just turned the ball over, gave it to them at midfield, and then they would kind of get stuck because, you know, drop balls or Trevor turned it over on his own. I don't think they were that scary. I just felt like it felt like to me if we played that game and not the rain, we would have walked in there and beat them. And that's what's crazy to me. But I still I'm still looking at the positive signs. I'm not that worried. And I think this game against Houston, I think the Jaguars are going to come out firing. I don't think it's going to be a close game, even though we haven't beat them, you know, since week one of 2017, which was, I believe, Deshaun Watson's first game in the NFL. Yeah, where he came in uh, as a sub, essentially. Yep. And the establishment of Saxonville, our 10 sacks overall on that on that day. Right. Yeah. And this is the game. This season for us is a season of change and a season of, I don't want to say first, but like sort of like reversing the wrongs in a way. So hope to God we beat the Texans this coming Sunday. I do want to say something very interesting about the NFL. And it just seems that there are certain teams, man, that because of their market presence, because of their sort of folkloric status in the minds of football fans around the United States, around the world, they just get more coverage and attention. And they're kind of like a main character. If you think about a TV series or something. So you always want to hear what's going on with the Cowboys, right? Even if the Cowboys are floating at 500, which is often the case, mm-hmm. you know, certain character, you know, t- Tom Brady right now with the Bucks, like the, no matter what the Bucks do. And even if Brady ha- continues in this subpar season, the Brooks, the, the Brooks, the Bucks will be getting attention throughout the year. And the Jaguars are a team that, whether it's small market or just like a lack of history of domination or, or just maybe lack of characters to follow in the last decade or so, they just they just don't get that same kind of love. And it's really interesting now because a lot of outlets are talking about the Jaguars um, as a surprise contender. They're talking about them as a solid team, as, as they're sort of proving themselves and everything. But there's still something lacking. And it was really weird to see last week when we beat the Chargers in L.A., there were some, you know, I I listened to some, you know, 10-minute roundups of what happened on Sunday, right? Or, like, I'll read something. Even, like, the New York Times sports section does a little recap of the Sunday games, and they just skipped the Jaguars-Chargers, you know? Like, okay, those are... Those are less relevant teams. Oh, the Jaguars won. Oh, that's not worth covering. Whatever. I'm like, what the hell? And then some of these same networks, mm-hmm. the Jaguars losing to the Eagles. Ironically, they like praised the Jaguars for losing to the Eagles by eight. I it was weird, man. <laughs> it was really weird. It's like it's like they're more on notice for for basically having a chance to tie the game in the last possession against the Eagles than they were being the Chargers away. And I'm trying to make sense of it all. Yeah, well, I'm, I think a lot of that is because, you know, they were playing the Eagles, who are now the only undefeated team. So they had to, they had to you know, show the highlights of the game and talk about the game because they had to talk about the Eagles. And you have to talk about both teams when you're talking about the game because, you know, they did play against the Jaguars. But I think they might have saw what we saw, which was, you know, it was bad weather and it was a young quarterback. They kept the game close, even after blowing a big lead. 
but you know what I mean? They're just, they're young and they barely lost a game. They essentially beat themselves. I hate saying, you know, a team beat themselves and a lot of people get angry when people say that, but it felt like we beat ourselves because you turned the ball over five times, four or five times, and you only forced one turnover. So you lost a turnover differential by four. And I bet you if you go minus four in an NFL game, I bet you a team probably wins less than 10% of the time if you go minus four in the turnover differential. Another thing I'm, I was thinking about today was it's hard to give certain teams coverage. It's easy to cover, you know, the big markets or, you know, the, the teams that we all know about, you know, your Packers, your Steelers, you know, your, your Buccaneers and people with Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes. But as the season goes on and we see these records kind of come to light, like week 10, say we're playing the chiefs, you know, and we're, it was a week 10 or something we're six and four right we have a good record a lot of teams are going to be you know three and seven four and six and they're going to get kind of lost just like the jaguars always do you know as the season goes on they're they're going to start talking about the teams with really good records so if we keep it up post thanksgiving i think a lot of the talk will narrow down to like you know 10 teams like these are the 10 teams that we think are legit but right now, it's just hard to gauge who's good and who's not because we've seen some teams that are two and two, like the Jags, right? And we think the Jags are a good two and two team. Well, the Falcons are two and two. They weren't supposed to win very many games, right? They're a pretty bad team. The Ravens are two and two. We believe the Ravens are a really, really good team. The Broncos are an underwhelming two and two. A lot of people think they just look like absolute crap. The Bucks are two and two. So when you like look at the standings, it's just weird to see because there's some bad teams with two wins and two losses, like the Jets and the Bears. They're both two and two. And, you know, this is all going to even itself out, I think, as the season goes on, because there's some bad teams that are two and two and there's some good teams. And I believe the Jaguars are one of the good two and two teams. Brilliantly put, my friend, uh, as we as we wrap up today, I do want to look at ahead to to our our schedule coming up here and our chance to improve tremendously on that two and two record and we do face the texans so at the jaguars this sunday we haven't won against them in some absurd like four seasons you know eight games or whatever uh davis mills is in the doghouse so to say not too concerned about him at quarterback but I am concerned about the Texans with the run game. Yes. This this guy, Damian Pierce, is rookie. He can run the football. He is. He's pretty damn good. I'm not going to lie to you. But I, I don't think their passing game is really going to scare the Jaguars. So I think they're going to be going to load the box up and dare Davis Mills to throw. And really, you're, this is a home game. And if I hate saying it's a must-win game, too. But when you play bad teams like the Houston Texans, you have to beat them. Like you absolutely have to beat them, especially at this point of our season. We can go three and two, right? And then we have the Colts and the Colts are going to, you know, have a lot of rest because they play on Thursday night here in Denver, actually. And they're going to want their revenge because they got blanked by the Jaguars and they're going to be at home. So that's going to be a tough game. So this is really one that you want to take care of and go to three and two. You know, just in case you don't beat the Colts and you go three and three. So because you cannot go two and four. You absolutely can't. This this is a huge game for the Jags, especially knowing we haven't beat the Texans in a long time. And it's a bad team. And really, 
if you want to be considered one of these really good teams, you can't lose to teams like the Texans. Like if the Chargers lost to the Texans, people might have wrote them off for the season, to be honest with you. And they look like, you know, they were going to let the Texans back in that game. Like I said, I just think there's some good two and two teams and Jaguars fans shouldn't get down on the Jags because they are a, at least they're a better two and two team than a lot of the ones that I'm looking at in the standings. So, and there's still a lot to be optimistic about. We can't just let one game change our opinion of a, of a team that, that I think is very respectable. All right. Well, sounds good. A team that's very respectable. I'm digging it, dude. I'm digging it. Dunn and Drew put the Jaguars at number three in their NFL rankings. <laughs> and people were like, what? Isn't that a little high, River? I, I, I saw that. <laughs> right. Yeah. We're still getting a lot of hate in the other NFL power rankings. So like, oh, well, the Jags lost. So they go back down to, you know, 24 or some shit. So anyway, man, who needs power rankings when you got playoffs? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we will see. All right. Well, we finished the quarter. We finished the quarter 500. The Jacksonville Jaguars are a very strong two and two. It has been a blast of a season so far to watch. And thank you, I said, uh, for everything today. Thank you, listeners, for joining us. Uh, the Drunken Jaguar is an SB Nation and Big Cat Country podcast. As always, you can find us on Twitter at Junkin. Dragwar, and we will be around next week to see what happened versus the Texans. Until then, go Jaguars. Go Jags. you call him Shit, i already forgot jamal robinson no james agnew <laughs> oh james james agnew james agnew yeah f- man i can't escape my fate dude this is terrible this is like i'm the aspiring brian sexton oh damn oh. that shit's funny as f- <laughs>